You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Are you ready? Go for it. All right, so we are back on the Pizza Podcast. Um, I'm really excited today. Today we got David Garcia Aguirre from Corto Olive Oil. Um, I've been talking to David for a few months now. We got, uh, we got, uh, connected through the, uh, Corto Olive Oil virtual uh, tour, which was, I mean, definitely a life-changing thing and definitely taught me so much, so educational, so much value. And, uh, yeah, man, Corto Olive Oil, Corto Passi family, David, what the hell's going on? How are you? Doing well, Nino. Thanks for having me. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I don't even know where to start. Like you, you're just this, uh, crazy amount of information you want to, can we like start with, um, just you know your take on olive oil the olive oil industry what it is like i i know i didn't understand it i thought i had a good understanding of it but i was completely wrong um so i don't even uh yeah yeah man where 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 do you think we should start as far as like educating people and you know a lot of pizza people on here they want to know about this olive oil stuff sure um Man, honestly, olive oil is one of the most misunderstood ingredients there is. Um, you know, I, I get really excited because I feel like we're on a, uh, it's like, you know, it's a new wave, kind of like coffee went through its wave and micro beers went through their wave and now olive oil is going through its wave. And essentially what's, you know, what's happened is olive oil has become a, a commodity. You know, the, the word extra virgin doesn't really mean more than, you know, commodity oil. And, um, and fortunately for, especially for all of us that love food, there's this new wave of like high quality, um, really fresh olive oil hitting the market. So that's, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. So like, what is, um, you know, you guys talk about it in your virtual tour a lot. Like what's the difference between, you know, I know there's a lot of Fugazi stuff out there. I know if you look at the tonnage and what's being imported, what's being produced, there's like a lot of number discrepancies. What makes Corto like so much different and able, you know, to kind of get around all that? Well, so I mean, olive oil, it's actually pretty simple. I don't like to tell too many people this, but I'm, you know, it's kind of job security. But uh, my job's pretty simple. Like olive oil, it really is fresh, pressed juice. That's what makes it different than every other kind of oil out there. All we do is we bring, you know, you have to harvest it at the right time of year. That's in the fall, right? I, I always like to think of like an orange or something in your backyard. You know, you go, you go out to that orange tree at the perfect time and you pull that orange off the tree and you juice it and it tastes amazing, right? Right. If you let that orange sit for four months, it's going to start fermenting. It's going to start rotting. It's going to get overripe. You can still make juice out of it. It's just not going to taste very good. And unfortunately, most of the oils that are in the U.S. are from olives that are super overripe. It's not, you know, we always we have this romanticized idea of what olive oil is, right? Especially fresh, high quality olive oil. And 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 for uh, you know many small producers, that that is what it is. They hand harvest it in the fall when the fruit's perfect. You juice it and it tastes amazing, but that's not what's in food service. And that's not what's on the retail shelves, right? So at the end of the day, olive oil is all about freshness. And, and like, why is it that, you know what I'm saying? It's so hard to, um, create this freshness. I mean, obviously there's, 
you know, so much of it being distributed around the world and yada, yada, yada. But like, what's going on in, you know, a lot of other places in the world? And then what kind of solutions have you guys brought to that? So, you know, I I like to say it takes two things to have a a high quality olive oil. It takes fresh fruit and then it takes fresh. What? Are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had a little technical problem. Something tried to update, but uh, David, you were talking about um, why it's so hard uh, with global shipping and everything. Go for it. Yeah, so so um, you know, olive oil comes down to two things, right? Fresh fruit, fresh oil, and the 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 big challenge, the reason there's so much, um, you know, I like to call it commodity oil, but it really why there's so much oil that's produced outside of that that ideal harvest window is uh, physiological. Olives are really hard to get off the tree in the fall, mm-hmm. right? At the time when that fruit is the best for making oil, it's hard to get off the tree. And up until about 15 years ago, the technology didn't exist get, to get the fruit off the tree in the fall um, at any kind of meaningful scale. It was all hand harvest. And as you can imagine, it would take a lot of people to hand harvest enough olives to produce enough oil for everyone that wants, you know, quote unquote, extra virgin olive oil. So the big game changer in our industry happened about 15 to 20 years ago. And it's a new method of planting we call super high density or a vineyard style planting. And essentially what you do is you take olive trees and you plant them a lot like grapes on trellises in these long hedgerows. And what it's done is two things. Number one, we can now, you know, we can now mechanize the harvest, right? So we can harvest at scale and rapidly. But most importantly, and this is a take-home message, we can do it in the fall when the olives are perfect for uh, for making high-quality oil. So, so that's the big game changer. So are you saying that, like, before this technology that, you know, it would be advantageous to let them almost, like, go past their state of ripeness so that they could fall off the trees and be collected easier? Is that kind of what it is? Totally. Yeah. So the, the olives, you know, when they get overripe, they're about to drop off the tree and the technology that existed up until about 15 years ago were trunk shakers like they use for nuts. Mm -hmm. And if you can imagine, you know, if you let the olives go way past to where they're about to drop there, you'll get way more olives off the tree with a trunk shaker. The other thing that happens is the olives continue to accumulate oil. So you'll get a little bit more oil out of it, but that's, you know, in my mind, that's the commodity play. That's not the quality play. And I think what's so exciting right now is we we're you know, we're able to make the quality play at scale. Got it. And like who even do you guys like help to develop this technology or are there just companies out there that are looking for these solutions? Yeah, no, there is there's actually a nursery in Spain that developed the technology. Um, most of us new world producers that don't have like a massive infrastructure of the old way of planting, we're all adopting the new this new planting method. And even like, so Spain's the largest producer by far of all, like they have, I mean, California, we have like, you know, we talk about all of our almonds, right? We're the largest almond producer. We've got like 1.2 million acres of almonds in the South of Spain alone. They've got over 4 million acres of olives. Jesus. Yeah. So, and, and, and in Spain, they're changing over to this new system too. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Like at the end of the day, it's about quality. People are willing to pay, especially in the U S people are willing to pay a little more for quality. Um, and, uh, the reality is it's not a lot more and it makes food so much better that people are jumping on. So, yeah. One of the other things that I saw you guys do that like got me really excited and made me like go out to my food distributor and buy like 10 liter 
things of olive oil for my mother um, and my whole entire family was that you're using this like bag in the box technology. And it seems like, you know, if even if you get a really high quality olive oil and you keep it in a dark place in a cool place, when you open that, it's got to be oxidizing at that point because there's air inside. You guys have like found a solution to that. You know, I got a, I've had olive oil that sits in my cupboard for, you know, months at a time. And I got to imagine that, um, you know, I'm not getting, you know, the benefits, um, you know, from a nutritional standpoint and from a taste standpoint from that. How did uh, that all come about? 100%, you know, that's the second part of the equation, right? So you start with the fresh fruit, you make the fresh oil, then what? Right? Then it takes a ton of energy to protect it. Um, and the reality is the, the things that destroy olive oil are light, heat, and air. And so you have to put a ton of energy into keeping light, heat, and air out of it. So like, for example, like what we do, we, we crush the olives, we extract the oil, it goes straight into a climate-controlled cellar under nitrogen, right, so to keep the oxygen out, in stainless steel. And then we package just in time, which means basically as we get orders, then we, we package in bag and box, or we call it flavor lock, because it also keeps light, heat, and air out. And then it goes into the real world for the shortest period of time. And honestly, at the end of the day, people ask me, what's your job as a master miller? And a lot of people, it's like a winemaker, right? A lot of people think the winemaker's job stops at making the wine, but that's not true, right? It's all about making sure that the customers at the end of the day get the freshest oil possible in my case, because it doesn't matter how good it is when it leaves the mill. If it's not good when your mom gets it, right, then it doesn't, then we've lost, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about making sure that the customers get the freshest oil. And honestly, the only way to do that is, is at least up until now is through bag and box. Yeah. Agree. I mean, to me, it's like really exciting technology. You guys kind of got that from the wine industry almost too, right? It was yeah, like totally straight, straight from the wine industry. They have, they've done a lot of work for, you know, figuring out the best ways to keep things fresh. And so we just brought it over. Yeah. So I know like a lot of people, I know everybody in this industry, they've heard like these kind of stories. I know there was a New York times report a few years back and I think the guy wrote a book named extra virginity. What's all that about? Like for the people, like what's it? Because I think people like read a thing or they hear a thing and then the story gets messed up. Like, what is that? Uh, it's kind of like a, you know, What's going on with all that for all the people that don't know the real story? I think you know the real story. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, you know, it's a combination of two things. We like to say around here that, you know, olive oil is the ingredient that farm to table forgot. Mm. What's that mean? That means no one's paying attention, right? No one's paying attention. We don't, we you know, we don't have a great palate for it in general as a country because we just, it just hasn't been part of our food culture, at least high quality oil, right? And and it's also extremely valuable. So what ended up happening is you started seeing a lot of fraud, right? There are different kinds of fraud. Um, you know, there's straight adulteration where people would, you know, swap out olive oil for less expensive oils and sell it as extra virgin olive oil. There is um, oil, you know, oil that maybe was extra virgin when it left, but by the time it gets here, it's not extra virgin anymore. Um, you know, there's, and the reality is the, the chemists that are, that are behind this kind of stuff are super sophisticated. And the, you know, we, I'm on several standards committees trying to figure out how we can catch a lot of the fraud that's happening, but it's just, it's really difficult to do. 
Tell me. So you just end up with, you know, a lot of fraud and people making a lot of money on fraud. Tell me more about this uh, standards committee stuff and, and some of the problems that are trying to be fixed in that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier. So in my opinion, and not everyone shares this opinion, but in my opinion, the extra virgin standard is like getting a D in school, right? It means you passed, but you didn't do anything well. And the reason I say that there's two parts to the extra virgin standard. There's a chemistry part, and then there's the sensory part. And the sensory part is there are accredited panels around the world uh, that taste oils. They do a sense of blind sensory analysis on it. And if they detect any defects in the oil, right, from maybe rotten fruit or the oil has been sitting around and it's rancid or it's supposed to light or something like that, if they, if they detect any defects, then it's no longer extra virgin. Okay. And then the chemistry is built around that, right? So the chemistry all targets no defects. So at the end of the day, what you're saying, all extra virgin really means is there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean there's anything right with it. And that's why I say it's like a D in school. Okay, you pass. Great. But that's not how we make food better, right? That's not how we make pizza better, right? We do that by buying the best oil we can. Sure, sure, sure. 100%. And I know there's, um. so, I mean, when it comes to that is... I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things out there that say extra virgin olive oil in this country that, um, I mean, do they pass that test before they get, um, you know, fugazied up or like, how does, how did those guys get through the standard? Well, so I think, you know, it's a great question. So there, there, I, you know, there's fraud yet, but I don't think that's the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem, honestly, is that testing is done at the time of production. Okay. Right. And we all, you know, it takes you, you know, your oil can be nine months old or even more in some cases up to two years old before you get it on the shelf. So even if it did meet this D standard at the time of production, by the time you get it on the shelf, there's no way it's even close to extra virgin. And I think that's our biggest problem. It's not fraud. It's just that it's so hard to get fresh oil to customers. Most people don't even try. So is there like a big like private labeling industry in olive oil where people are just taking random fruit from random places and then, you know, pressing that somewhere? Is that like something that exists a lot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, you know. We, we, we often joke that there's one giant tank in Spain, right? And whatever kind of olive oil you want, it comes out of that tank. And that's, that's the commodity part. Right. And there is private label. I mean, there's, you know, there's a bunch of supermarkets in the U.S. that have their own brands. They all come from the exact same place. Even a lot of the built, like the branded stuff, it's all the same commodity product. So... Uh, you know, what's, what's the real message out there for like, I mean, from the pizza guys and the chefs and this and that, like, I mean, I just want to really be able to tell them like, you know, kind of how you talk about it on your tour, like, you know what I'm saying? These problems that exist and maybe what are the benefits of, um, getting a good quality olive oil from, you know, flavor to, you know what I'm saying? Everything else that comes along with it. There's nutritional benefits too, right? There are. I mean, so, you know, fats are excellent carriers of flavors and aromas. That's what they do. And that's amazing. If you, if you're talking about like, well, you know, we can take a step back. What makes olive oil different? Olive oil is a celebration of flavor, right? All of the other oils that are out there go through a refining process. 
they're 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 destined to be the exact opposite of what olive oil is. They're odorless, colorless fat at the end of the day. Olive oil is the exact opposite. Olive oil is a celebration of the fruit. It's a celebration of flavor. So when you put olive oil in food, it heightens, it, it elevates the flavor of that food. It, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite things to do is to take vanilla ice cream and put like a really fresh arbutina or Oji Blanca or even like an Oscalano varietal olive oil on it. It has to be fresh and it has to be high quality. Right, because that's when that's once you open the door to fresh olive oil. That's when we can start talking about varietals and regions and all of that. Put a little sea salt on it, and it tastes amazing. It's like a like a fruity ice cream, hmm. and that's just three varieties out of hundreds that are available. And that's 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 the doorway that I'm trying to open. You know, that we're trying to open for our chefs and for our for for the for our for our pipiolos is. You know, once you start thinking of olive oil in those terms and you start pairing flavors in with the pizza you're making, that's, that's the next level. That's the next step. Right now, all, you know, what we're doing, and I can't tell you how often this happens to me, where I'll, I'll go try, you know, I'll eat a pizza or I'll have an olive oil ice cream. Someone's, you know, they're, they're cutting edge enough to have an olive oil ice cream. And guess what it tastes like? Rancid olive oil. Right. Right. Or like someone will make a beautiful white bean puree and I'll taste it and it tastes it tastes rancid or or like it's from fermented fruit. So at the end of the day, olive oil, especially when it's high quality, it'll make it'll make food better. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And like, I mean, a lot of these I think there's a lot of misconception out there about um um these refined oils that are out there i mean uh you know they're kind of like when you what a lot of refined oils are like uh expeller press from seeds right mostly and well yeah so expeller pressing is interesting one so you know at the end of the day like i said refined oils their their destination their their goal in life is to become colorless odorless fats with a really high extraction and the way you get the highest extraction is through uh, solvent extraction. So they basically make pellets out of the stock and they'll use a solvent to extract the oil. Sometimes there's so much oil, like in seeds, for example, that they have to remove some of the oil ahead of time. So they'll do that with an expeller. And then the, so the expeller, you know, expeller press oil or, you know, chemically has some advantages over refined oil, but it's not, it, I never want to confuse that with like something like olive oil that's totally virgin, right? right? Where it's crushed cold and it retains all of the natural antioxidants and nutrients and flavors from the fruit. It's a very different product. Yeah. What are some of these like antioxidants and flavoroids and, you know, the health benefits? I know we talked um, about, uh, previously about like uh, some amazing studies that are out there and ongoing. Well, what's going on in the world of that? So let me preface this by, you know, my disclaimer. So I'm not a nutrition, I'm not a nutritionist, not even a chemist really. But um, what, what I, you know, I've learned a lot over the last 12 years in this industry, kind of practical knowledge, applying it to my job. And one of the things I realized early on and uh, it was actually a friend of mine who's a researcher at University of Maryland uh, in uh, um, a doctor. And she, she, she uh, is a big proponent of olive oil. 
And she always starts her conferences by saying, if you go on to PubMed, which is the biggest database of scientific medical literature, um, and you, you Google or you, you search through PubMed for, um, for, uh, and classify journals by food, the one category that trumps all the others by far is olive oil. In other words, there is more written in medical literature about olive oil by far than any other food there is. And most of that literature up to this point has been focused, you know, maybe up until about 10 years ago, it's been focused on types of fat and things like that, kind of the, the quote-unquote edible oil world, right? But, up, you know, starting about 10 years ago, there has been a tremendous, um, you know, kind of rejuvenation in olive oil literature around polyphenols and antioxidants and the role that of these um, these different compounds in health, in brain health, in cardiovascular health, um, in, uh, you know, as anti-inflammatories. So there's, there's just this really fun, like, resurgence that's happening around this small fraction of compounds in olive oil that are there because the oil isn't processed in any way. It's just juice. Got it. Got it. And what are the sub, uh, do you know any, like the benefits of that? Like, I mean, I know you touched on like cardiovascular and, um, and, and brain health, but is there anything like more specific in there from like some of the specific studies that you've seen? Obviously, like you're not writing these studies, you're just reading them, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, you know, as of right now, and, and I, I like to, I don't like to focus in on single studies because single studies, I mean, they can say one thing and then later on another study will show something else. But I think the most compelling evidence we have around health and olive oil is around the PREDIMED, P-R-E-D-I-M-E-D study, which is essentially, it, it was validating, it was an extension and it was validating the, um, the Mediterranean diet work that's been done. Okay. And, the interesting thing around it is the, you know, number one, olive oil has been shown to be a, like a, a critical component of the Mediterranean diet, but not just because of the oil, but because of the minor components, right? The, the compounds we're discussing, allurapane, uh, oleocanthal, oleosin, um, hydroxytyrosol, different compounds that are in olive oil that, you know, when taken frequently, when used in food, let's say, um, they have a, a pretty profound impact on health, positive impact on health. Yeah. And, and let me ask you a question. Would like having olive oil made from like rancid olives or cut with things or be oxidized too much, would that have an effect on the health benefits at all? Yeah, I think, I think research says that it does. I think, you know, even, I don't know that there's like, cause there, I don't know that there's causation yet, but there's a lot of correlation between oxidized fat, um, and, uh, um, and brain diseases in particular, like, uh, Parkinson's and, um, dementia. Again, let me preface this. I am no, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I just, you know, these are things that I've seen in research. Um, and I highly, you know, if people are really into learning about health and the impact of health, I, there's, you know, I highly recommend you go out and, you know, do your own research, not on the internet. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of bad information <laughs> on the internet about, especially when it comes to oils. <laughs> well, I know, I know when, um, you know, researching wheat, um, you know, wheat when it's in its like berry form is, um, one of the new most nutritiously and diversely nutritious things out there. You got 30 
vitamins, minerals, and essential oils um, in the wheat berries. But uh, once you crush the wheat berry and then you extract the endosperm from the bran and the germ, um, that starts to oxidize and it loses all of its nutritional value. I think it's 70% within 24 hours and 100% within 72 hours. Is there any like kind of analogy to that that you know about in, in olive oil or is it kind of a similar thing? Well, yeah. So, you know, all, all oils, all fats oxidize. You can't stop it. All you can mm. ever do is slow it down. And I think the best anecdote for that is one that we use it in our virtual tasting. So we developed a virtual tasting kit, which has been great. And, and, and we've broken it up into two parts, right? What's, it, what's an oil from fresh fruit taste like versus what's an oil from not fresh fruit taste like? And then take, take that really good fresh fruit oil and taste it. And, and then what we do is we take that exact oil, we put it in clear glass, and we put it on our roof here at the mill for 48 hours. And then we taste that side by side. And the impact is incredible. The oil goes from being like a nice green color to being gold, like uh, almost orange from the photo oxidation. Um, it's borderline rancid, if not rancid already in 48 hours. Uh, so the impact of sun, uh, particularly of light and heat on oil is tremendous. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, participated in two of those and, um, I definitely got that out of it. It's, uh, it's incredible. What about like different, um, what about different types of fat? I know all there's these different, uh, you know, there's saturated fat, there's monounsaturated fat. There's, you know, can, can you, uh, educate us a little bit about all that and what all that means? Sure. I mean, you know, so, Essentially, you know, and I don't know, I don't know, I, I, hopefully people can see my video pretty well through this, but if you can, I'll try and describe it best I can. So if you take, if you take three fingers and stick them out like sideways, right? Yeah. Each one of those is called a fatty acid. Okay. We're looking at, we're looking at a fat molecule right now. The part that's binding it. So your hand, that's called the backbone. It's a glycerol backbone. So all the different types of fats, are really different types of fatty acids, right? So some of them, like saturated fats, um, don't have any double bonds. So they're not, they don't have two, they don't have a junction point in the fatty acid. They're just one straight line. And because of that, they stack very easily. And that's why I say butter or something with coconut oil with high saturated fat content, that's why it's solid at room temperature. Right okay. now, if you have one double bond or one of these junction points, then it's called a mono unsaturated fat. And if you have more than one, then it's called a poly unsaturated fat. Now, not my intention to get into chemistry, but it's important to understand the more unsaturated, so the more of these juncture points there are, then the more to oxidation the oil is. So, like if you take an oil like grapeseed oil, for example that's highly unsaturated, then it'll be more prone to oxidation. So olive oil, which is mostly monounsaturated, is a very stable oil. And the other thing that really separates it apart is, we keep talking about the health benefits of the, of the antioxidants that are in the oil, but the antioxidants are antioxidants, right? So they're natural preservatives that are in a high-quality olive oil anyway. So they're, they're essentially self-sacrificing to keep the oil fresh, to preserve the oil. Got it, got it, got it. So 
it's i mean sort of i'm gonna have to do a lot of google research <laughs> after this um but you know thanks for laying that out so it seems like so mono unsaturated good uh poly unsaturated not so good or is it saturated not so good you don't know no, it, it depends i mean yeah. it, you know, this is where you get into the weeds where you try people are trying to make bland blanket statements about oils and they're the you know, I tend to not look at any foods as like superfoods, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I kind of just come at it practically and, and see what the benefits of each are. There are, you know, there's a lot of literature saying that like fish oil, which is unsaturated, is really good for your brain. Okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of literature, obviously, between the benefits of olive oil, right? And so, and in coconut, you know, or saturated fats, I think the jury's still out. I think there was a lot of literature linking, you know, saturated fats with, um, you know, with Coconut. increased LDL and different, you know, different cardiovascular problems. There was a study recently in the last few years that called that into question, but it's, it's not enough to overturn the great body of evidence, in my opinion. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is, you know, when, when people start talking about superfoods, I think it's a dangerous area to get into. Got it, got it, got it. So how did uh how did Cordo olive oil start? It was like the Cordo Passy family and what's the story behind all that? Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially Dino's family it's interesting. So Dino Cordopassi, who um founded Cordo, he his family reigns from Lucca, Italy. Okay. And in Lucca they made olive oil. So they've had it's kind of been in the bloodlines for, for many years. And the you know, it was a small production in Luca, kind of for the family, and it was it was really high quality oil. And Dino, when he came here to the U.S., he, um, you know, the first thing he noticed was that there just wasn't good quality oil available. And um, so, what Dino was waiting for was some kind of technological revolution to make it, you know, farmable in in California. So that we could produce high quality oil at scale. And that's when he saw vineyard style and, you know, Dino's a poker player. And at that point he went all in and now you've got companies like Cordo and several other companies that are using this new method. So how long did it take? Like, when did that all start and how long did it take to like get to, you know, this point? Well, so Cordo, I think our first grove went in in 2004 is when we planted. Um, I think the oldest super high density orchard that I know of is in Spain. It's called La Boella, and it's probably 20, 20 something years old, 24, 25 years old. Um, that was kind of one of the original test orchards, and it's still going, still producing. So, you know, and when we started, we had one, we, we had a little tiny line at Dino's house, and then it turned into one, um, you know, one uh, full size line in our world, and now you know we're now we've scaled up pretty well. So now we're you know we're definitely not worried about not having enough oil to democratize fresh oil. So that's what we're that's what we're all about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yo, real quick, I just want to pause for a second. There keeps on like being this kind of like uh, thing. I think it's coming from your end. Do you know what that could be? No, I uh, don't. Do you don't hear it on your end? It might just be a connection no. thing. Uh, it might just be a connection thing either. Oh, it might just be a connection. All right, all right. No, 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 it's fine. We don't have to stop. Um, so uh, how did you get into olive oil? What's your background on this? <laughs> what, what, like, how do you learn so much? And, you know, where does that start? 
Well, I'm sure a bunch of your listeners have all these really romantic stories about how their their pizzerias were handed over from their families and blah, blah, blah. Mine was the exact opposite of that. I fell into this industry purely by accident. I, uh, I, I started, actually, I studied philosophy and physics in college. Um, I was playing, I was a high-level soccer player at the time, and I, all my aspirations were around being a professional athlete. So I, uh, I, I, after, when I finished college, I went to Spain to try and play soccer and promptly blew my knee out. And that ended my soccer career. So I, um, I didn't know what to do with myself, honestly. It was kind of one of those, like, you know, times in your life where I was pretty lost. So I, uh, I went on a very long walk, almost a thousand kilometers. And uh, I decided uh, on that walk that I wanted to be a metal artist. So when I came back to the United States, I opened a studio in Davis, California, a metal art studio, and uh, started doing metal art. Quickly realized I wasn't the best businessman at the time, was struggling to get, um, struggling to make it. Um, but then my neighbor came over one day and said, hey, would you be interested in building a mobile olive oil plant? And essentially, it was a 38-foot trailer. We were going to take an olive oil line, centrifuges, pressures, and all. We were going to put it in the trailer. And the plan was we were going to go around California processing olive oil, um, uh, mostly at, at wineries. You know, wineries have, you know, they have their little orchards. So they'll have trees lining their, their driveways. And, and so I said yes. Uh, we built it in nine days. Our first customer was a... Jordan Winery out in Napa Valley, um, and uh, the rest is history. As the reality is, there aren't very many people in olive oil, so it's just kind of right place, right time, and it's been good to me. So, um, because of your metal art background, that's what put you in a position to build this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've I've always been kind of a, a gearhead, as it were, uh, whether it was cars or. You know, uh, you know, I love to weld. I love blacksmithing. I've always just been kind of interested in those things. So, uh, and and have kind of done them my whole life. So it was just kind of natural. Um, so and then when point, this, you didn't really know about olive oil, I knew nothing about you, olive oil. You're, you're basically, <laughs> you're building a trailer, and like this guy is like, okay, we need centrifuges, we need this. So that's like, so then you get really into it from there. You know, I feel spoiled because I, I'm one of the fortunate people that like my first high quality olive oil experience was making it right. So for me, it was easy. It was like, oh, now I get it. That's oh, I just lost you completely. Yo, you there? Oh, David, I'm here. We're losing you. So we keep on getting right. this. Um. Um. Uh, is it, it? Can you see your internet connection? Is it all right? Um. Looks okay. Hard to tell. All right. Um, I can ask my IT guy. That looks okay. Maybe. Um. You can uh, like just Google speed test, and that'll give you like a. No, no, no. Let's um. Yo, when you go to your, uh, can you go to your audio real quick and um, click on that um. You know, there's there's no noise in the background, right? No. Does your computer have a microphone? It does, yes. Can you can you try switching the mic? Yeah, to, let's to get the over. Computer mic? Yeah. That might help.
All right, that's my computer mic. Okay, yeah, that's great. Um, hello. Yeah, clear. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's let's try that. Let's see if that works. So, uh, yeah, you're saying that um, you know you you feel so lucky because you got to build this trailer and um, your first uh, experience with olive oil was actually making it. So you were able to kind of understand it. Yeah. Let's yeah. go from that. Yep. Yeah, I know. I was just gonna say, if I could capture that moment and and give that to everybody, then it'd be a no-brainer. I think everyone would get the olive oil thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like my guys are like looking this up. Like it just keep on like you know like a TV sound when it's like the static. Yeah. And that's coming through us like every five seconds like, or not five uh, seconds, every like 20 seconds, uh, for whatever reason. And I'm getting a little bit distracted. Um, let, let's, you want to, I'm, I'm going to just take a, a, a brief, uh, like restart on everything again. Just to see all right. We're going to take a brief restart on everything on the zoom call and everything and see if that fixes it. All right. Okay. Sounds all right. good. Give me one second. Sorry about this. Um, Okay, so <laughs> let's try. So yeah, so I mean, uh, hold on. So you you got this kind of opportunity to try olive oil as you're like building this thing and kind of dive right into it. Like, are you on this truck while you're like you're going around with this? this guy on the truck. So you're learning, you know, what a centrifuge is and you know what I'm saying? All these different things. Like, can you tell me, uh, yeah, tell me a story about that. I mean, that sounds like crazy. That sounds like a insane <laughs> thing. Like, can we go like a little deep into that? Yeah. So, so the, um, this is my favorite story about it. So before our first, our first gig was Jordan winery and they were going to make a big deal out of it. So they had press out there and everything. And mind you, we built this whole thing in about nine days. It was like, it was like a whirlwind, right? And so on the morning of our gig, our gig was about an hour, about an hour and a half drive to the Napa Valley. I was actually in the trailer doing electrical work, getting this thing to, like, we hadn't even finished yet, right? So I'm in the trailer, like in the control panel, doing some of the last minute electrical work, trying to get this thing together. And finally, you know, we get to Jordan Winery and open everything up. The olives are sitting there waiting for us. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, we had flown in like an Italian master miller that came with the equipment line we purchased. Um, and we fired the thing up and it runs. And it was like, holy, like, oh my God, like checkbox number one, it runs, right? Then it was like, all right, let's get this fruit into the mill. And so we start dumping all these, these olives into this machine and it's going up and they're washing them and it goes through the crusher. The next stage is called malaxation. It's a slow agitation. That's where all the magic happens, right? And then, and then it goes into the centrifuge. And then next thing I know, there's oil coming out of it. And it was like this, this magical moment where I was like, oh my God, like this thing actually works, you know? And, uh, and, and, and so that was like the beginning of it. So then from there, the Italians left. They were there for maybe three days. 
And from that point forward, I had to run the thing. And I knew nothing about all of them. I knew I knew something about equipment and machinery, right? But uh, it was really, honestly, now in retrospect, looking back over my career, now that I'm quote unquote a master miller, whatever that means, right? It was the best way I could have started because it was, we milled all over the state, it eventually into Arizona and Oregon, even into Mexico once, and all kinds of different uh, climactic conditions, different terroirs, different varieties. I've milled over 70 different varieties now. Um, it was like it was like a crash course in, in how to make premium olive oil. So it was it was a great way to start. Was there ever like an olive oil mobile truck before you guys built this thing? Was that even like something that anybody else had done before? So there was there was a version that was built in Tunisia. It was the only existing one. But as you might imagine, the food quality and safety standards in Tunisia aren't quite what they are here. So it was like it was like a tow behind trailer. Everything was exposed. So this one had to be like food grade, like health department certified. So it was the first of its kind in North America for sure. That's amazing. That's that's really amazing. So what um what happens after that? So you how many years are you doing that for? So I ran so this after two years, the mobile mill sold to a company in Temecula, California, Southern California. I went with it. They always joked that they opened up the back of the trailer and I was in there sleeping because I was living. <laughs> kind of true, not totally true, but <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then I worked there for for another two years or so. And then Corto um, came and told me about their project and what their vision was. Um, and they their vision, honestly, is to change the way people use and buy olive oil. And I was on board. Like I got it from day one. I was like, that 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 makes sense. We can do this. So and I came on board, and I've been here since. So how long has that been? That was in 2013. So I'm going on my, this is my ninth year here. Ninth year with Corto. And what year, one more time, I'm sorry. What, what year was the, the truck built? Uh, that was built in 2008. 2008. So, so you were running around with that truck for what, five years? Am I? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I had like five harvest seasons. And like, are you going to olive oil conferences are you studying books like what what is happening like you're saying it's There's like a crash course like anything what? i could find anything i could find so you're like just like you got this olive oil thing it doesn't sound like so the guy that commissioned you to build it that you were you know whatever like kind of like partners or whatever it was um he didn't really know how to use this equipment Correct. No, he didn't know anything about it. He just had an idea. We should, I heard about yep. a truck in Tunisia. We should do this yep. over here. That, that, that's, uh, that's insane. That's an amazing story. So, um, how do you, uh, like, obviously that's the best day of your career. What are other some like career highlights that like kind of, you know, brought things, um, into more perspective from you and like attributed to your education? Well, you know, so in the beginning, so when I was working on the mobile mill, I would I would alternate between um, northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere, right? Because there's two opposite uh, harvest seasons. 
So I would I would mill up here on the mobile mill, and then I would go down to Australia or to New Zealand, and I would mill down there. And I was able to like double my education level by doing that, right? So I was just getting twice the experience. But honestly, I think one of the one of my biggest like I think one of my the coolest moments in my career was actually my first day milling at Cordo. So you know the step from and it's hard to it's hard to talk about scale a bit, but the step from the mobile mill to Cordo is really significant. I mean, like we're talking 30 times, 50 times the volume, something like that, right? And on my first day, I had never run a facility before. And 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 I, I you know, I have to thank the company for giving me the shot because they took a big chance on me. But it was also, it was also like there aren't, there's just no one, there wasn't anyone in California that knew how to make olive oil. So it's just kind of this like great synergy of a situation. And on my first day, within the first hour of milling, I passed my career olive oil production up to that point. Jeez. And I remember just watching the oil going into these tanks, just going up, like watching the gallons accumulate, just thinking, holy crap, like how, like this is crazy. And that year, 2013 was, it was an epic year. It was, we had a big yield quality was outstanding. It was just like, like, I don't know. All the stars aligned. It was, it was awesome. No doubt. No doubt. So yeah. So what, what is it? I mean, I can't even imagine what, like I've seen like pictures and stuff, but I don't even know what the hell's going on. Like I've heard, um, not only you, but I've heard Steve, uh, Steve Rouse. Uh, I was having a conversation with him about Stanislaus and I was like, what do you guys do all year? You're like, you're waiting for the tomatoes to grow. And he's like, you know, like, we have to like rebuild the factory like every year. Like I, I think you said the same thing. Like, what is yep. that? Like, I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. You're building like, what, what are you doing all year? What, are you, yeah, what is I, rebuilding a factory to, every year? Mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy to think about, but like, you know, we run for 40 days. Like I said, that window where the olives are at their peak is very short. Right. Um, you're talking middle of October. By the end of November, you had better be wrapped up, right? Because once freeze or anything like that happens, you're done. Like those all of you can't make oil out. You can't make good oil out of them anymore. So our entire season happens in 40 days. So downtime is, I mean, you know, it, it's a big deal. You cannot go down. You've got to be able to run. You've got to be able to run. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. So the rest of the year is dedicated to being able to run. We go through, we take every piece of equipment apart. We rebuild bearings. We inspect our centrifuges. Every single, we touch every single part of equipment, make sure it's, it's ready for that season. Because once the, once it turns on and those olives start coming, they don't stop. We go 24-7. Explain this centrifuge thing to me. Like, I'm like picturing in my head, like, I mean, I've seen like guys using medical centrifuges in like cooking and like Michelin star restaurants. Like, what is an olive oil centrifuge look? Is it that? <laughs> oh, man. You have a bunch of test uh, tubes in there? <laughs> no. So it's it, same principle, right? If you pour oil on water, it floats, right? So oil is less dense than water. And then all of the solids from the, uh, from the olive itself, the pits and the flesh and everything are even heavier than the water. So if you use a centrifuge, you can separate the oil from the water from the solid. So in our case, instead of being test tubes and spinning, you know, vertically, 
if you took that whole thing and laid it on its side, right? So it's spinning around horizontally. And inside, so imagine a big bowl, like a tube spinning horizontally. Inside of it, there's a little scroll or like an auger that's mm -hmm. also spinning, but at a slightly different speed. What that does is it allows you to pump the, it's almost like a tapenade at this point. We've already crushed it. It's gone through the agitation, the malaxation, so it's a paste. You pump the paste into the centrifuge, and as it's going through the centrifuge, that scroll is slowly moving it out the back. As it's going through, everything's separating. And then the oil works its way to the front of the tube, and then all of the heavier phases, the water and the, the pits and all of that, work their way to the back of the, fuse, uh, the tube. So it's actually a continuous process. So as you're pumping through, everything's separating, and like magic, the oil comes out one side, and then all the solids come out the back side. And they're big. I mean, we're talking, you know, 15, 20 feet long. And what, what happens with all the solids after you guys are done? So currently, all of our solids go, well, not all of them. So currently, the solids go to animal feed. They go to compost. We spread some raw. Um, one of the interesting things about our, you know, pomace, once you extract the oil, it's called pomace. One of the interesting things about olive pomace um, is that the, the water still has a lot of antioxidants in it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of research right now going into trying to recapture a lot of those antioxidants. Um, there's also a lot of health, at, like healthy things in the uh, flesh still. So, like, you could, you could conceivably make like, a, like an olive flower or something like that to use in, um, in human food. So there's a lot of research going into some some really interesting um, you know new streams for the revenue for the uh, for the byproduct revenue. Wait, so you're telling me that like one day I'll be able to mix olive flour into my pizza dough? You bet. What? That's, that's a project I'm, we're working on currently. That that sounds completely insane. I really want to do that as soon as possible. You better send me a sample. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like really interested in, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, obviously you guys got a sustainable thing going on and like how that, um, do you, do you guys, you guys don't really have any control of where that uh, product gets sold for, right? Or two, like as far as like the animal feed and everything else goes, right? Um, I mean, you know, we sell it to a company that's 45 minutes away that uses it as a, um, you know, kind of a nutrient boost in their, in their feed. Yeah. Um, we're also, you know, we're also looking into pet food channels and, you know, I honestly, there's, you know, we're, we're looking at it holistically. Like we know there's not going to be one way that we can deal with, with, um, pomace, right? So we're trying to find multiple healthy channels for it, whether it's, upcycled for food and nutrition, whether it's pet food, whether it's uh, compost, so we can, you know, do a lot of regenerative growing in our orchard, you know, we're kind of exploring all these different avenues. So what is, what is, um, you know, I mean, in my, in my industry, if you go to restaurant depot, um, and also distributors, they'll give you this product called pomace oil. That's like uh, a lot cheaper than olive oil. What is that exactly? So, uh, as I said, so after the centrifuges and we've taken out all of the premium oil, the pomace then, I mean, the way it's done, like in Spain, for example, I always say Spain because they produce over, you know, they produce over half of the world's oil. So the way it works in Spain is all the pomace goes into, like, um, ponds, these massive ponds. 
And then over the course of the year, the pumice is pumped through another centrifuge, uh, mostly to dry it a little bit. Then it gets really dried. And then they use solvents to extract any remaining oil out of the out of the pomace. So pomace oil is it's a solvent extracted oil from the spent pomace from the extraction process. Yeah, I want to I want everybody to understand because I watched a uh, how it's made video on um, you know refined oils and like you could type it out online. But it, the solvent they were using was I think it was called hexane gas. Hexane trick. Liquid hexane. It looked uh it looked like some pretty gnarly stuff. Like I don't know if I uh I mean I read some things on it, it said like, oh well it you know cooks off and it's not in the food and I was like, eh, is it? Um but I, I guess people can make their own decision on how they feel about that. But it's uh so pomace is another type of like refined oil, like uh, you know, I don't know, sunflower oil or saffron oil, like this stuff. As I understand it, it's not really like when they extract it, it's not really an edible thing until they put it through this solvent extraction. It looks like almost like black, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, all, pretty much every oil, every non-virgin oil, right? So we're talking all the oils like like pomace, seed oils, um, you know, soybean, all, all the oils when they're first extracted technically aren't fit for human consumption. And that's why they have to go through that refining, bleaching, and deodorizing phase. So the refining strips out the impurities from the extraction process, bleaching strips out any color, and deodorizing strips out any flavors and aromas. And that's why I say it's like, you know, it's it, by, by design, it's a colorless, odorless fat, right? So pomace oil falls into that category. So, so like bleaching and deodorizing, that's done with like different types of chemicals that are exposed to it? Or what does bleaching mean? Are they pouring like straight bleach that I have in my laundry? Yeah, no, no I mean, there are different ways of doing it. There's physical refining, there's chemical refining. Bleaching is typically done with clays, bleaching clays through a filter. Deodorization is done. Uh, you, nowadays, it's done, on, you know, vacuum deodorization. So they'll do a vacuum. They'll bring the temperature up enough so that all of the, uh, you know, in our, their volatile compounds, all the aromas and everything kind of boil off of it. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's two different ways. There's chemical and physical. Yeah, that's that's it. I've been seeing all these um these these vacuum, uh, what you would call it, on the blenders now. Uh, they actually like for like Breville and KitchenAid and Ninja actually mm -hmm. have these like vacuum blender. I don't know. Uh, it's all this stuff's like over my head at this point. I'm like, I'm, I'm going nuts trying to keep up. So, uh, <laughs> pomace oil. What about, um, what about like, I mean, one of the things I, I know, I know you don't like talking about this stuff, but it's like, I mean, I've been having like all these, um, um, guys for the past 10 years like trying to like shove coconut oil down my throat and uh you know i'm understanding now and i've seen some research out there that it turns out that like it's it doesn't seem like it's uh that great of a thing isn't it mostly like saturated fat and i don't know where this all this hippie stuff came from now thanks god in all these communities just recently within the past few years i've been hearing like um you know they brought olive oil back into the fold They've said, okay, olive oil's okay. They haven't taken coconut oil out, but they're like, olive oil's okay, and the enemy is like refined oils. Um, 
I, I looked into coconut oil and I, I don't see how, you know, if you're doing it virgin or whatever that means, I mean, it doesn't seem like a virgin process even when it's done at home because there's boiling involved, um, a lot of stuff like that. But from what I've seen, uh, you know, you buy it in the store, it says extra virgin cold pressed olive oil or uh, coconut oil. Um, when I've watched the videos on how to make it at home, it says it's not good after two weeks. And then the stuff that you buy in the store, you can leave it on your shelf for like five years and it still seems to be good. Like, whoa, do you have any insight on what's going on there? Because it doesn't make any freaking sense in my head. Oh, man. Welcome to the world of edible oil. Yeah. Um, uh, you, can, you can probably tell that I, I try and be careful here. Because I know. The, I know you do. It, I mean, it, yeah, be careful. I'm not, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't... <laughs> Let's 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 put it this way. There in in two. So my opinion. Yes. Coconut. I I don't know if coconut oil is healthy or not because we don't have enough evidence. Most of the evidence up to this point shows that um, that it's that you'll definitely have an increase in LDL cholesterol with coconut oil. There was a pretty pretty um, comprehensive study in 2020, I believe, which okay. was a meta analysis, which basically means they looked. You know, this team of researchers looks at all of the available information and they compound it and then they come up with with uh, with their conclusions from all of the available research. And the available research, at least in 2020, overwhelmingly based, you know, <clears throat> said that coconut oil will raise cholesterol and that should be taken into consideration when you're consuming it. Now, <clears throat> the, you know, coconut oil. And we've talked about this a bit. So the reason coconut oil got popular is because coconut oil has a certain level of MCTs or medium chain triglycerides in it. And medium chain triglycerides, your body deals with those differently than it does other saturated fats. Um, so it, you know, your body burns them rapidly. So they became really popular in, um, in especially amongst athletes and weightlifters, and then and then in general. So coconut oil does have MCTs in it. But it also has, I mean, the majority of the fats in coconut oil are not MCTs. They're other saturated fats, long-chain, short-chain saturated fats. So to draw the, you know, to draw the conclusion that because coconut oil has MCTs in it, it's really healthy, I think is a dangerous conclusion. Right. So you're saying that, like, while it does contain, contain some MCT fat, fats, and if that is advantageous is in such low quality quantity compared to the other more dangerous fats that it contains that you know what i'm saying it's not like you know if you want mtc oil you should probably just go buy it from somewhere maybe yeah i mean at the end good. of the day for me oils oils are about they're about flavor and they're about health right and coconut oil is freaking awesome like i love coconut oil like i love it in a good curry or something and and the you know that that's a different question than should I eat a spoonful of it every day? Right. And, you know, I, I don't know the answers. Yeah. Uh, I, what I do know yeah. is that, is that there's a lot of, uh, there's a tremendous body of research that shows that, you know, particularly with extra virgin olive oil, with fresh high phenol extra virgin olive oil, let me be very clear about that. We're not talking just because it says extra virgin is fine. You have to know that it's fresh high phenol. Um, olive oil. There, a, there are a, a lot of health benefits here. What's a phenol? What's 
Oh, a polyphenol is is those compounds we were talking about, those antioxidant compounds. Right. You want to you want to go a little deeper into that? I know you think this will go over people's heads, but people seem to like this no. stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um. So the interesting thing to know about olives. So as olives develop, they, you know, you go through bloom, you start having little fruit, and they start to grow. Then the pits start to harden. And then the oil starts to accumulate, and then the, the olive starts to accumulate oil, right? So the oil accumulation happens really early on, and then it starts to plateau. Polyphenols or antioxidants are compounds that are in the oil that have high, uh, you know, they have a high antioxidant um, um, level. And those antioxidants also peak very early. We're talking, you know, the fruit's still very green. Um, you know, maybe, maybe just starting to turn into violet on the skin. The, that that happens in October, November, and that's why that's why all premium oils are made in October, November. Once you get past that point, those antioxidants, those polyphenol levels start to drop off rapidly. I mean, really rapidly. So if you really want to capture those polyphenols, you have to capture them from in October and November. And polyphenols, I mean, you know, from a chemist, again, I'm not a chemist, from a chemistry point of view, they're, they're a cyclical molecule that, um, that has a pretty profound, some of them have a pretty profound antioxidant impact. Now, the, the other part of the coin is your body has to be able to absorb them, right? So I think a lot of the research that's happening is how much of these can we actually absorb into our bodies? What's the long-term impact of these compounds? Um, but I think, you know, so far it looks very promising. So what are, uh, how does somebody go about finding like some of that research, um, to take a look for themselves? You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, we were talking about this before, like the internet is full of, uh, especially when it comes to these topics, a lot of, uh, you know, crazy things out there that aren't really based in reality. So, um, how could somebody go about, do you know about any interesting studies that are going on that people should check out and follow? Yeah, uh, you know, particularly there, there, there are several research institutes that are really good. Like UC Davis puts out a lot of good research. Um, IRTA in Spain puts out a lot of really, really interesting research on olive oil. Um, it's tough. Like I, I tend to tell people to stick to journals if you can. If you don't like reading journals, then there are a couple of, of sites that are I, I think are good sources of information. California Olive Oil Council is one. Olive Oil Commission of California is another. Um, you know, there are um, trying to think of any like good resources. Several companies like there's the Wellness Institute in Australia. Is they're an Australian olive oil company. They have very good scientifically grounded information on their site. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really about looking at the body of literature, you know, real scientific literature and not what pops up in your feed. Cause you know, I, I get the craziest articles in my feed cause I'll click on olive oil stuff every now and then, and obviously. And, uh, and some of the stuff that uh, like, you know, so-called experts, even people that dietitians, chefs that talk about things that are just totally blatantly wrong you know, and a lot of stuff. So I just, I try and just stick to high level, high level information. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot. Um, you know, I think across all industries, you know what I mean? And the more and more we've been learning and the more, I mean, I attribute it to be like the interconnectivity that we have and the amount of information we have today. 
um you know i mean i think to back to when i was a kid and it was like you know you had your rich uncle's uh encyclopedia set for your information that was out there and that was pretty limited you know what i mean compared to the scope that we have today um what else what else should people know about all this stuff like do you have any uh anything like we didn't touch on yet no i mean you know my my big messages i guess are you know taste your oil number one oil touches more than anything else in the kitchen you cook with it we finish with it we put it in, in ingredients that that flavor is coming through, whatever whatever your oil tastes like, right? And so taste your oil. Understand that you know, especially if you're using olive oil. Olive oil is fresh, fresh juice, so it should taste like fresh things. You know, whether it's you know green apple, tomato leaf, herbs. Um, you know, depending on the varietals that are used, it should remind you of fresh things from the garden. If it doesn't, there's something probably wrong with it. Um, and, and use it. I mean, it's one of the most versatile ingredients. I think we're just scratching the surface on, on the different ways of using oil. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that everybody's been doing like testing and, you know, uh, I mean, modernist pizza is coming out soon. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of insights from when those guys tested and what the, you know, actual physical effects on adding different percentages of oil is on doughs, which is, I know, super important to our community. What about, um, how many, do you know anything about Greek olive oil and that whole production? Cause I, yeah. I, I only ask because there's, um, you know, throughout my career, there's been, you know, uh, kind of, you know, it seems like we could get like better Greek olive oil at like, you know what I'm saying? A price that makes sense. Like I could go out and like source like an amazing Sicilian oil, but like sometimes the price is so much that, um, in a little pizzeria, just, it's not conducive and the food costs become so high. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I think your product coming out is amazing, but, um, I, I, I seem to notice that too, a little bit. What's, um, yeah, any. Yeah, so, you know, look, I, I, you know, there are good oils and there are bad oils made everywhere. Sure. Right? Like, I mean, we're not, even, we're not even ready to have the conversation yet about varietals or locations or terroirs because most of the oil we're consuming isn't even fresh in the first place. Got it. Right? Once we get fresh oil, once we get high quality fresh oil, then we can start talking about things like that. There are amazing oils made in Greece, Spain. Italy, Croatia, Chile, New Zealand, Australia, California, uh, Oregon. Um, there are amazing oils made everywhere, right? That what the big, you know, the, the big challenge is what are those oils like when you get them? Mm-hmm. And now I'm not even talking about like, forget about commodity oil at this point, forget about commodity, quote unquote, extra virgin. That oil is low quality to start with. By the time it gets here, it's junk. I'm talking about, once you've found producers you trust, right? Then it's all about the freshness of the oil. And, you know, so yeah, of course, there are amazing, you know, Greek oils out there. I mean, the, the Greeks are particularly, there, you know, there are some really interesting high phenol oils coming out of Greece right now, and Spain, and Italy, um, and California. Actually, California, there's a new, uh, there's a not, I shouldn't say new, but there's a, a company here that makes a mission olive oil. It's one of the highest phenol oils in the world you know they only make 1500 gallons of it yeah right? so right 
Yep. It, it's super bitter and very pungent, uh, burning the back of your throat, because that's what phenols do. <laughs> okay. 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 So that's what, 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 when I have like some Sicilian olive oils, it burns the back of my throat. That's phenols. What is yeah, phenol? So burn, I know you said burn, briefly on it. Explain phenols for me, like, and everybody. Cause I know like, they're like, they don't understand what we're saying right now. It's, it has to do with flavor, right? It's a molecule. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So phenols, you know, let, let's explain it this way. So you're just asking about the burn in the back of your throat. That's a particular phenol or compound called oleocanthal. And oleocanthal acts on the back of the throat, much like ibuprofen does, actually. If you were to suck the sugar coating off of an Advil and swallow it, it would leave that warming sensation in the back of your throat as well. Really? And, um, yeah, so, you know, it's actually, in all the world of olive oils, it's a, it should be a sign of a, of a high-quality oil, at least a high phenol oil, right? Polyphenols, are, they're simply just a class of molecules that all, like I said, they're all kind of cyclical like this, and they have, they, you know, they... They're being shown to have really powerful antioxidant effects. You know, some of them, not and, all of them, but some of them. And they also and attribute to the over, bunch. And they also attribute to the overall flavor. That's what you're saying too, or is that something different? Yeah, correct. So some phenols have warming sensations in the throat. Some are bitter. Like if you bite into an olive off the tree, it's extremely bitter. The reason it's bitter is because it's loaded with polyphenols and antioxidants. So yeah, they do impact the flavor as well. Now the aromatics like all the, the interesting nuances of olive oil, that's a fully different, that's a different process. And what is that process? No, that's, that, that's actually the most of those compounds come from what's called the, the LOX pathway, lipoxygenase pathway. So that's an enzymatic pathway. And that creates a lot of those really fun, green, aromatic aromas that you get. Mm. Got it. So, so we, we were talking about Greek olive oil. Is there like, I know... Is it true that like olive oil, um, what do you call it, bushes or orchards, trees, trees? olive yep. oil trees can, um, they can live for like thousands of years. I know I've heard stories like that. Now, does that have any effect um, on, you know, what's going on with that fruit and this and that? Yeah. So yeah, uh, yes, they can. They, I mean, some of the oldest trees are thousands of years old. Um, I haven't seen any literature well, I should say most of the literature I have read shows no difference between young orchards and old orchards. Okay. Um, you know, at least not enough that, that it makes a significant impact. Right. And then with an old orchard, like a bigger tree, that wouldn't be able to be mechanized at all, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And that's part of the challenge with a lot of the old infrastructure is they have these really massive trees. So you wouldn't be able to mechanize. Like we are, our harvesters literally drive over the top of the row. Right, so we have to keep the trees small and 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 vigorously producing. Right, uh, in an old traditional planting, the trees get really big. So the only way to really get the fruit off is by shaking the trunk and dropping the fruit onto the ground or on its heart. Okay, so so how do you keep that small by pruning them? Yep, that's right. So every year we come in and we hedge and we top and we keep the trees nice and bushy. They love it. So what are like you giving them a haircut? Yeah. So what are guys doing? Well, I mean, I, 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 I don't grow olive trees, but I grow a lot of tomatoes and, uh, and growing tomatoes, you know what I'm saying? Pruning and that stuff is very important for, you know, our yields and, 
um, how that's going to grow. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm growing tomatoes in my backyard in Brooklyn, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Space is important. You know what I mean? I can only fit so many tomatoes. So like my pruning and my, uh, you know, how I'm feeding them. I got like composters and vermicomposting and this and that. Oh, that that's something interesting. What, what kind of, I mean, you're mentioning, you put like a layer of the pomace oil uh, over your trees. Is there any other type of, um, uh, fertilization or uh, things that you guys do as far as that? How do you keep up with that? Well, Nina, I'll be honest with you. This industry, the way we're doing it is so new. Everything's a research project at this point. Right. So we're, we're trying a lot of different things to see what, um, you know, what in the long run is going to help out. We're, you know, like I said, we're trying um, cover cropping. We've tried, we're trying to increase native like insect populations. We're trying to, um, you know, compost, raw spread. We're trying a bunch of different things. We one one thing we found out by accident is the the water that comes off of the um, off of the the from the olive actually acts as a really good herbicide. So we might be able to make it a natural herbicide if we need it. Um, uh, but you know, most of that stuff just just starting out. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, uh, what is like? I mean. Are there are there guys out of these fields like all the time? Are you out of these fields all the time? Like what's going on like throughout the year with this stuff? Yeah, I mean we have so we have we have a field team that you know is keeping an eye on all of our orchards. I work with them closely. Just you know, there's a, obviously a pretty massive correlation between fruit quality and oil quality. So we work closely together on that. Um, you know, generally speaking, olives aren't, you know, right now, as, as I was driving in, we're in the middle of cherry season, right? And there are 250 cars parked, you know, we have cherries across the street from our mill, and there are 250 cars parked over there, and they're hand harvesting cherries, right? We don't really have an event like that. Like, for us, most of the process up to this point is, it's just fewer people. Like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a person driving the harvester or the pruner. There might be a tractor with a gondola next to them. There's our team that's supervising and making sure that all the, you know, the quality is okay and that everything gets rushed to the mill quickly. But it's not a very people intensive process. Yeah. Because you guys set it up like that, which is, I mean, it's smart because I mean, it's one of the biggest commodities of the world and there has to be solutions to bringing the best quality um for flavor and for health um to the rest of the world which you know what i mean requires like this mechanization and i mean i really think like all the things you guys are doing um as far as figuring out solutions to these problems and you know i mean even when i just talked to you about like oh what do you do with the refuge you guys have answers to that and obviously that could grow in whatever direction you guys want um yeah, man. I think uh, I don't know, man. Buy quarter, get quarter olive oil, brother. Great company. Like, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Taste your you guys, oil, right? Taste yeah. Oil. <laughs> yeah, you guys. So you guys, um, um, you guys. Do you guys own all the orchards? Or are you getting from other privately owned, separate from you guys as well? Yeah, we. You know, we started off owning all of our orchards, but as we've grown, we now have like uh, grower partners all right here around the mill, close family friends, or you know, trusted farmers in the area. So, really tight knit, tight knit network of of farmers. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh yeah, man. I mean, is there anything you want to add to this? I think we're in a 
a good spot. No, no. I thank you again for the opportunity and thank the listeners. Hopefully they made it this far. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I personally think it's a, it's a incredibly fascinating topic. I'm really excited to see what, you know, chefs and pizziolos and even home chefs do with fresh olive oils. Once we start getting them into their hands, I, you know, you guys are the creative minds, not us. So I'll, I'll get you the oil all day long, man. You use it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're definitely, um, I know me and I know some other guys that are around, we're developing partnerships with academia to really like, you know, kind of put this stuff under the microscope as much as we can. And, you know, it's all about sharing and I'm really, really excited for the future and what you guys got going on as far as, uh, you know, I mean, what we can learn from you guys. Um, you know, it's all about Thanks. the knowledge. It's all about the education. Um, so David, thank you for coming out. Uh, Corto Olive Oil. Guys, if you have not done the virtual tour, try to do it. It's incredible. Uh, reach out to, right? They can reach out to Corto. Yeah, on our website, you can request a tasting, um, reach straight out to uh, our department, our department. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that, guys. It was one of the most uh, educational experiences of food I've ever had in my life. And, um, you know, uh, whoever's in charge of that, don't stop just because uh, coronavirus <laughs> is over because, you know, it's uh, it's an amazing resource, I think. And you guys do a stand-up job. Um, yeah, man, I think that's it, bro. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nino. Thanks. It's been great. All right, David. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys later. Ciao, ciao. That was great, buddy.